one cabbage, please. Cabbage. Cabbages. Fresh organic cabbages. A dense green leafy vegetable on the way home from school. Straight out of the grumpy neighbor's garden, which also seconds as a bloody hard football. Natural source of vitamin and minerals. A, B, C, D, all of the above. Iron, calcium, magnesium. Not bad, Mr. Cabbage. I really should eat more cabbages, but unfortunately, they taste like cabbage cabbage. Okay, enough with the cabbage talk. I'm interested in sauerkraut, okay? Through an ancient technology of lacto-fermentation, which dates back about 6,000 BC. So to put that in perspective, that is about 8,000 years ago, people were fermenting their food to increase shelf life. Okay, so that's about 6,000 years before Christ, 3,000 years before ancient Egypt, if you can believe the guy that wrote the history books. Ancient technology, cool. Okay, so um, so some aliens came down with some ancient futuristic technology and uh, showed people, somehow, um, this process called lacto-fermentation, which has been used for centuries, been used for millennia, uh, and it increases the shelf life of your normal uh, garden, your garden, when you build it, vegetables. So, um, yeah, that sounds pretty boring and, um, and pretty bit of a process. But um, when you go to any lo- local supermarket and all of a sudden there's no food there and you decided last year that you're going to start experimenting with lacto-fermentation amongst other things, and you've got a uh, storeroom in the shed with about six months worth of sauerkraut, then uh, then you've got nothing to worry about, except for the zombies. No, wait, they eat brains. I guess you're good. You're loaded. you got food for years. Welcome. This is The Paradise Paradox. I am Aaron Battle, and in today's podcast broadcast... We are lucky enough to be hanging out with an old buddy of mine from Anacapulco, Anam Pashante. We chat about his new connector app that's coming out soon, allowing people to connect up and find each other, create friends and relationships via interests, belief systems and ideas. Um, We chat about the political evolution, which will be a peaceful revolution where we get to break away from these control systems that are caging society. So uh, it's just about it's just about pulling your sleeves up and getting out there and creating the new world that we want to see. Um, it's got our name on it. We just get out there and do it. Uh, we chat about love and the human experience, traveling as an explorer rather than a tourist, and a couple other things, anarchist. So... Before we get into it, um, if you want to get in touch with myself, I am at BattleAZ. Uh, you can get in touch with Kurt at Trouble Bubble. Um, we have t-shirts available for sale. So um, jump on the website, www.theparadiseparadox.com. Um, 
at the top there, we've got our T-shirts, a few different designs up there now with many more to come. So if you've got nothing on your chest, throw one of our shirts on and let's get some of the ideas infecting other people's universes. Um, Steamit.com. Steam with a double E. Um, if you haven't checked it out yet, please check it out. This is a decentralized content platform. If you are a, a content creator, this is for, this is a space for you because content creators are rewarded for their for their content that they produce. You're also rewarded for interacting with people. Um, you can check out my work at Battle A Z B A W T L E A Y Z E E. You're going to check out. Kurt, he's posted a little more than me. Um, really good stuff. Check him out at steamit.com at uh, Chertzu. C-H-U-R-D-T-Z-U. thinking at the moment only milestones really get into an Acapulco next year and if I can get that done then the rest should work itself out yeah yeah so we have to I just put up some pictures that I found on Monty Jones memories from last year uh, yeah from his uh, a bunch of photos great stuff man we have got to get this all arranged up get our roster of who's going to be uh, spending the week together and uh, get you lined up for sure. Yeah, well, I'm I'm already in. I mean, I was, I, was, I feel like this is it. This is it. Like we're we're locked in for forever. It's just a matter of, of working out. You know when uh, you know how early everyone's going to get there. Because I mean, I only turned up what a, uh, the day before last time, and and basically that that wasn't enough because you, you guys are there almost a week beforehand. So that's, I think from now on, I'm going to try um, to find a place for us. Uh, and then it will be from, so if, if an Arcapulco starts on Friday, it'll be from the Friday, the previous Friday. So we'll all stay somewhere together in a big house and eventually a boat. We're, we're planning on getting a, a, a big boat. I don't know if it'll be this next year. I'll have to do a couple yeah. more house deals before I can afford to get a boat. Well, yeah. Well, I, I mean, boat or house to me, it's it's all good. I mean, it could be I a mean, big tent on the beach. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? But um, I mean, I, I love the boat idea, but uh, you know, the, the the same villa or villa like that would be would be killer. Yeah, that was a cool situation because I had originally got. Uh, a, a house that was much smaller and in the old part of Acapulco. Yeah. Uh, but at the last minute, the the house owner canceled our uh, contract to rent the house for the week. Like literally okay. at the last minute, like I was on my way to the airport to come down to Acapulco from Seattle. Yeah. And I heard that the uh, owner pulled the plug on us. So that was really oh, yeah. scary. But uh, Jeff Fisher, or uh, Jeff Jeff Fisher, was in on it. He was helping me um, 
organize it. Uh, but Jeff Berwick and Nathan Freeman, who live in Acapulco, were able to call their friend um, who owned that villa that we all stayed in and, and arrange that all. So it worked out better than it would have if it went off smoothly. So oh, yeah. it's good to have good friends um, that can help, you know. Yeah, I'm. well, I think sometimes things work out exactly the way they, they need to. If only we could see yeah. it ahead of time, it wouldn't be so stressful. Yeah, of course. Well, actually, just um, talking about the villa, uh, I'll kick off with uh, with where we're going to go here. Um, I, I was checking out one of your videos that uh, it's called Trust Amongst Anarchists. And uh, and you mentioned that in the video that, you know, while you're at the, while you're at the villa, you know, a few times you, you left your wallet out on the table and there was absolutely no concern that uh, it was going to go missing or it was going to be tampered with or anyone was going to take it um, be- because of the principles that that we hold as anarchists. And uh, I thought that I thought that, that was really cool. And unless unless you you are or, or you know what you know what anarchist life is, then uh, it's kind of hard to extend that trust. Yeah, most I guess it's uh, most people don't get that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really it's really hard to believe that you know you can turn up to an Acapulco and and so quick you can you can gel and bond with people that you know you've only really just met, but there's there's an underlying understanding that you know that really we're we're all here trying to accomplish the same thing and and doing it you know our own way and we do extend the respect to each other the way the way people should. Yeah. So. Uh, for the viewers who are uh, not familiar with this concept, I'll kind of just explain what my thoughts in that video were. Um, yeah. It's just an observation. So, uh, you know, anarchism means that you respect, you don't, be, you don't want to be a ruler over someone else. And it, to not have to go through all the philosophy of it, stealing from someone is stealing a part of their life or making a decision that supersedes their own decisions over a part of their life that they traded yesterday uh, for an object or a belonging. So if I have cash on me, I traded hours of work yesterday, so a part of my life for those dollars. So if someone were to steal the dollars to take them without a mutual agreement first, they're making a decision that rules over me and that's antithetical with anarchism someone that's a principled anarchist cannot steal there those ideas are mutually exclusive and there's many principles uh, of anarchism that are elevated uh, in consciousness level above the the norm of society and I think this is why we can all get together and never have met each other in real life yet show up at a place like uh, an Archipelago or any of these other freedom events, recognize that we're all uh, anarchists and we're instantly brothers. Because we already yeah. have bonds that supersede um, uh, so many bonds that you would have in um, in normal society. Yeah. Yeah, it's... You, you need to experience it. I, I mean, you know, we can talk about it all day, but unless... Unless you you feel what we're talking about, it's kind of you know it's it's not it's not there. But I mean, the, it, it kind of leads on because I think a lot of people are starting to switch onto this, or they're, they're you know in, in 
in a way of saying waking up, um, which uh, I got to be honest with you, I, I hate the term um, wait or people are waking up or telling people to wake up because it just, I mean, to me, it, it makes it makes me feel like if I was to say that, that, you know, that I'm superior or that I've already awoken, but, you know, this is like an ongoing process and I feel like every every month I'm a little bit more more awake or maybe I'm not awake at all and, and I'm, just, I'm still, or, or, you know, when you call people, uh, when people mention sheeple or, you know, the, or the, the collective zombies or something like that. And it's like, you, you know what? Everyone's got their own personal process. So it's kind of hard to, I mean, I, I just don't like the term, but I do feel like uh, as a society, we are starting to move into a, you know, into a, a higher level of, under, of awareness or understanding that, you know, we do need to work as a team. And um, in in a video that, that you posted recently as well um, about a presentation that you did at the, the Sons of Anarchy, um, you mentioned that we're evolving as a society um, out, like we're breaking out of the government control system that, that we're in. And unless you feel like you are waking up personally, you never really consider that, you know, government is losing control uh, or it just doesn't, it doesn't need a place in my life or in, in a lot of people's lives once they become socially responsible and they want to take, you know, the action into their own hands or they want to start um, creating technology, for example, that's going to help the community. And it's kind of undermining government or making them obsolete. It's probably the best way to put it. Um, but you you go through three, uh, three stages, the first stage being the awakening um, and then activism. But it's it's a third stage. Um, I think it would uh, agorism. Yeah, I would describe the the a squared, the the a times three, right? Uh, <laughs> as yeah, awakening, and then activism, and yeah. and then agorism. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, you know, waking people up, like, and I've. I say this and it sounds insulting, but it's not meant to be. But the waking people up phase is the primary phase, and we're kind—it's of, been going on for quite a while now. Yeah. And it's important for people who have not yet peeled those layers of illusion off. It's still important for them, but for the rest of us that have been kind of stagnating there, it's important for us to use our new awareness to start to create things that can take like create new paradigms and new systems that can take power away from coercive systems. Yes. So this is where we become activists, right? And then agorism is just creating a complete society um, where we can get all the things that we need in voluntary systems instead of uh, coercive systems, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah that's, because that's really it. I because I feel like getting, I mean, being off the grid or outside the system is is almost in, in some respect extreme, because you you're there either by yourself or with with a few friends um, at this stage. But it's something that's becoming a trend, and people are starting to realize that you know what what happens when uh, there's a certain um, event, maybe you know, without saying like a doomsday thing, but say you know all of a sudden government um, they mess up and there's no clean water for the community. Uh, what have you done? Which a lot of people don't think that's not my responsibility. Water's always going to be there, but it's such a basic essential factor of life. 
And and now you have groups that are taking it upon themselves to go, you know what, maybe maybe we can set up some kind of water filtration system for, for at least my family. And is that the kind of action that you're talking about once once activism is I mean, once you feel like that that's enough, you start taking on these actions yourself, that's that's going into the, the, the A cubed? Yeah, so you owe the world nothing. Um but that's what makes giving so beautiful is that um, you understand that voluntary relationships start by one or more parties showing up to a situation with the attitude of trying to add value. Like, how can I be valuable to you? Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's the only way to attract anyone if you want a date for, you know, with the opposite set or, you know, with uh, a, a mate, a, rom- a romantic uh, relationship, you, you know, instead of being coercive or divisive in any way, you just show up like, how can I add value to your experience? If you want friends, if you want a business interaction, uh, anything in the world, you know, when we finally have our uh, elevated society, which is based on voluntary interactions, we will yes. have to approach everyone with, how can I help you? Yeah, there's no way to make money. There's no way to form romantic relationships or friendship relationships um, without it. But this is going to be what makes the world so beautiful is that uh, we start to have a natural reaction to each other, an un, like a reflex to each other of helping. Yes. Even when there's not a profit motive, it's just going to be like the only way to interact with other humans is to help. It's so yeah, it's so, going to be, can you imagine the future like a hundred years from now or however long it takes for people to arrive at this awareness level? I hope it doesn't take that long. I mean, I, I feel like when, when we're in, uh, when we're in our own communities where people know, uh, you know, where people are group, you know, these, this type of mentality, um, you know, it's like we're, we're already nearly there, but for the whole world to catch up. It's 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 very different, and of course, it's, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for many people, because I think you know peeling off these layers isn't isn't really a pretty process for most, and and some countries as a whole have got have got a lot of work to do, but I think this is kind of um, you know getting getting rid of the ego because all of a sudden you don't wake up anymore and you're thinking you know I'm going to get out what do I get today? It's going to be what can I give, and in in return that's so much more fulfilling. If that's the way you're geared, because I mean, it's it's a big, it's a big change of process, just in your own mind. Yeah, and it's not to, it's not self-sacrificing. You know, we that like uh, to be a giver is self-sacrificing is a part of the paradigm we have right now, where it's either, it's either giving or getting, is the paradigm from the competitive world that's coercive that we have right now, right? Yeah, but yeah. there's an acknowledgement that giving is an okay way to be selfish. Like I'm an entrepreneur right now and I understand that I'm a real estate investor. So I just go around instead of like trying to do deals, I just go around letting people know that I help people that have house problems and about half of those turn into deals for me. And the other half, I, I uh, refer out to uh, like realtors or people in the retail sphere 
um, which is like opposed to the investment sphere. But I never worry yeah. about trying to chase deals because I realize that the universe will create, will send value back to me if I just focus on creating value by solving problems for people. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, by acknowledging that I will be served by trying to serve others. Yeah. It, yep, yep. it makes it so that there's not like a diametric opposition uh, between giving and getting. That comes from the competitive nature of our coercive society that we have now. But it's all inclusive in a voluntary society. Like it's, we understand that it's, the cycle is complete. All I have to worry about is helping other people. And it, that is how I serve myself. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like this, uh, you already know that you're, if your service is valuable to people, then uh, then you, you're not going to have a problem with, with collecting business and, you, and you're going to do your, your business and, and, and that's it. You don't, you don't need to be luring people in or, or tricking them or, I don't know, I mean, it, it just seems, it seems so natural or so simple, so straightforward that you're like, well, isn't, you almost think, isn't that how all business works? If nobody wants to take up your service, then you know, why are you in business? But, um, that, that's often not the case. And especially when you start looking at, at government supported businesses and you think, you know, what, what's the, what's the goal here or what are they actually trying to do? And it, it's just to disrupt the, the market or make it unfair, um, through regulation or through, uh, you know, organizing contracts with friends of friends that are all, you know, within, you know, within the circles of, of government anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of. Uh, so, you want to talk about something spiritual for a second? Um, I'd love to. So, you know how you just said when you hear me explain this idea of uh, giving is getting, right? Yeah. In business and in any relationship, really, that it seems only natural to you when you hear it, right? This is because there's a part of you under all the layers that coming to the world has put on you, right? All those layers of mental conditioning and all that, but there's this part of you that remembers that information. There's a part of you that already knows that information, and when I say those words and you hear them, you remember it. Because it's like, kind of like a natural law or universal law, like, you know, every all day long we think we're just human beings out here trying to have an experience in the world, right? But in fact, we're uh, something much deeper. Yeah. And I won't go too far into it, trying to make it sound too esoteric or whatever, but there's some really deep part of us that, uh, knows things, um, with much more wisdom. And so when we are exposed or, um, re-exposed to some kind of like truth, we actually, it, it hits us like it resonates really deeply within us because it makes us remember something we already know. You know. Yeah, yeah, that that makes perfect sense, and and I think just to just to expand a little bit, it, it feels like once you once you notice that there's something that feels comfortable or something that you know that you feel like you know this is this is actual knowledge, as in I know personally this is some truth to this, then it's very hard to pinpoint exactly when that 
that change or when you noticed that difference or that knowledge came in because you feel like, well, I felt this way my whole life or I've, I've always known this. Yeah. And, uh, in, in that, I think that helps. That really helps you peel away some of the, some of these layers of, uh, programming that we've been given or force fed our whole life. Truly. Yeah. And it's like when you are, when you exist, even for a moment, uh, when you're like struck by a song or by a concept in a movie or by a conversation with a good friend and you're brought back to that place, it feels really good. It, and then you, and then you think, God, why don't I feel like that all the time? You know, maybe I need yeah. to meditate more or something, but I want yeah, to, I want to really humble. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be there, uh, more often, you know, and that's, I think helps kind of push off the fake layers that um, living in this illusion has have put on us. When when you say it, the the illusion, uh, I mean, I think I've got my head around what what that means. But I mean, isn't everything pretty real? Yeah. So uh, the way I look at it, anyway, is that everything out there is an event, and and then okay. it's only after I bring it in with that are like electrical signals in my through my optic nerve or. Uh, audible signals through my ears or whatever, right? And then my mind, which is, you know, the mind, the word mind for me means the combination of the heart and the brain, like your yeah. emotional and intellectual uh, convergence, right? When your mind processes these signals and then adds a meaning, then you allow a certain amount of attachment, Right? But the thing is that we we mistakenly think that events are experiences already, that they come prepackaged with meaning, and then we become victims of that those meanings. So we live a reactionary life that's full of uh, that's like the product of inherited paradigms instead of a conscious um, and intentional life uh, that's the that's uh, the, the product of um, being able to manage attachment and the assignment of meaning to the events that are out there and realizing that uh, they don't become an actual um, experience until you uh, process it and you get to choose how you process it yeah yeah so that's the difference there's events and experiences and those are two different things so to, to think that i'm getting packages of of complete package experience and i'm already programmed on how that's going to affect me or how i'm going to accept that, that that's kind of um that's kind of a scary thought to think that's that's how the majority of us are living, and and I I mean I don't know about yourself, but I feel like there's even within myself this is something that I don't I don't really get to choose. Like unless unless I consciously get up and, and meditate, you know, five ten minutes in the morning at least, then I really don't know what sort of day I had when it when it gets to I'm about to jump in bed. It's like what happened today? It was just this blur of accepting moments. So, I mean, I, I, I can't, 
I can't say how important it is to um, you know bring your mind back. And and I think um, being in Australia now has been very grounding for me because I feel like I forgot what it's like for people to live here because it, it is it is much more uh, controlled and fabricated as a reality compared to uh, Mexico where I've been the last couple of years. So um, that's probably the biggest shock that that I've personally had coming back to Australia. But it's like I can actually see what you're talking about in like in real time. Yeah. Where, um, soon as you're in, I mean, it's like you're really need to change your your environment to start seeing. Okay, what's coming into my world and how am I reacting to this? For you to think there might be something weird going on. Yeah. Do you get a chance to hang out with indigenous people in Australia? Um, I, I know in the community that I'm that I'm in, there um, is the population is not very big, really of of uh, Aboriginal Indigenous people. Um, but I I know. Growing up through school, I had a, I had a lot of friends, well, a handful of friends, um, primary school, high school. But um, I mean, now now that I'm back, uh, my my brother, he's uh, he's he was involved in local rugby league, and you know the the that's there's, there's a few Aboriginals playing in in that team. But um, in Australia, something that took me by surprise until I looked it up. The, the percentage of, of Aboriginal people in the Australian population is something less than, than 5 or 6%. So, you know, I mean, in, in that, when, when I realized that, I was a bit devastating because you think, how, how, could, this, how could this be? Of the uh, Indigenous people, what, would, what percentage would you say are not assimilated into society, like that still live? Um, in an oh, I, lifestyle. Oh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't say. I mean, where where I'm living locally, I, I would say, I wouldn't say any. I mean, like you know, the, the modern Western world is has really. I mean, it's that it's that's what Australia is. I haven't gone to. I mean, if you go to like, um, I think Northern Territory or, or Darwin, I get the idea that you know, in those outer regions, there there could be. Or there, there probably is, but even then, I mean, there's a lot of government interference and in how they live and, and standards of of uh, medical and things like this. So I, I don't know. I mean, they probably lose a lot of their their traditions. I wonder if that's intentional, like to take them away from some wisdom that they had that could help us. I wonder if it's possible to find uh, indigenous people there in Australia that still hold some of that wisdom that could help us be more conscious of the the illusion yeah i i like to think that that there is people or they or that that is the reason i mean i feel like you know there's with all ancient societies and indigenous people you think you know they've how can you carry stories for thousands of years that obviously meant, you know, maybe they get diluted a little bit, but they, they mean something to so many people. And it's like the basis of their, their culture and their traditions. And then all of a sudden, you know, you'd have, uh, for example, when the Spanish turned up to Mexico, it was, you know, they got in and they destroyed as much as they could. And you think, you know, why? I mean, if, you, if you're an explorer and you turn up and you see this city that resembles nothing, you know, nothing like you've ever seen in your you know, home reality, then why would you want to start destroying it unless there was those orders or an understanding that, you know, we really need to, to cripple these people 
and we start with their beliefs and traditions. I mean, which is pretty sick, but that's, you know, you think if you want to take out somebody, then you got to take out their, their roots, almost, almost have them forget where they came from. Yeah, this is like a worldwide phenomenon where there's a certain order that lands and the indigenous people have some kind of, well, they have their own language and their own culture and all that, right? But it also seems yeah, yeah. that they have some sort of wisdom of the world or of nature that gets, uh, that is like sort of in conflict with the hierarchy that the invading population has, right? So, like, yeah. um, for me, you know, I, 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 in the summer, I live in the northwest part of uh, the United States. And yep. in, in the winter, I live uh, in the Las Vegas area of Nevada. And there's indigenous populations around both places. And they have similar story, you know. Every, I guess they all in, in the United States have pretty similar stories of how some of their, uh, the, uh, w- the wisdom that the elders have is, like, actively suppressed, you know, by our current culture. And it has been since... Uh, Europeans landed, um, you know, in the 1600s, um, and then in my own like uh, my own heritage, you know, of, of being uh, Celtic and Irish and, and Scottish in particular. There's this kind of more more modern uh, culture of the English that comes to dominate and makes it illegal for the indigenous people to speak their own language uh, to carry out some of their own customs. Um, and definitely that comes along with suppressing some wisdom that the, uh, the elders of that population have about nature. Um, yeah, so it's like a worldwide phenomenon. And I think it has a lot to do with our anarchism. You know, there's, there's some relevance there. Yeah. But anyway, I wonder if yeah. seeking out and finding these um, people could help us see the different ways that we are wrapped up in our inherited paradigms and give us an alternative perspective at least. Yep. Yep. Well, I, I mean, just getting that alternative perspective, even if that's traveling, I think for, for most people that does, I mean, that, that, that changes, that changes your whole world. All of a sudden you go from a world that's small like this, um, as in, you know, I, I know, uh, I know where I grew up. I know my hometown. I know where I went to school, uh, my first couple jobs, um, I've what, what, whatever your reality makes. And then you go to a complete different world and then you say, okay, uh, these, these people eat different. They listen to different music. They, they dance different. Their, their families, uh, they act different. Uh, all of a sudden you start understand your own world a lot better just from that, that alternative perspective. And, and I think if we can, uh, if people can start to mesh these cultures, you know, with, with where we are compared to, you know, say, um, you know, native people of any type, then that's an even larger, uh, alternative perspective. So, you know, what you can personally gain out of that, that there, there may not be, there may not be any limit. Yeah. If I think traveling feels like kind of like falling in love. You know that newness and vibrance to life that it that it brings. Oh yeah, yeah, just that the whole excitement. Um, you know, just just got off a twelve hour flight. Doesn't matter. I'm out. You know, I'm, I'm exploring. It, it's a shame that traveling isn't like what it used to be. Like you know, we traveling is almost too comfortable these days. We can organize a flight, be in another country. You know, within a few days, and and everything's comfortable. Knowing you, everyone speaks English to some level. 
Um, I wonder what it'd be like. Like, there's, there's not really that many explorers anymore where we have to organize a, an expedition and get on a, a sailing ship and who knows if we're coming back. That I think that that level of traveling, it's a, it's a shame. But um, I don't know, maybe, maybe we should be encouraging more expeditions into places that people don't normally go because, I mean, I assume you travel a fair bit and- it's it's pretty good to travel to places that that are not in the in the guidebook for traveling. Truly, yeah, that's the difference between being a traveler or a tourist, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Recently, I was uh, doing a, a trip through the desert from uh, from the northwest to the southwest of uh, of North America, and I kind of had a conversation with my traveling partner that there's really nothing that's exotic anymore is there because it's just roads are too smooth cars are too efficient and comfortable with air conditioning yeah. and uh really the whole trip there because you're uh, insulated from the environment right you're in your own head anyway you're just replaying that loop of uh dialogue that is your ego and and all that the whole way there so it's it's almost like nothing is exotic anymore because everything's too easy. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Maybe this well, next uh uh what do they call it? The next frontier is space. I mean, maybe that will be the only exotic trip we could do, one to the moon colony or to uh a base on Mars or something like, you know. That that would be pretty cool, but um I mean, I'll throw this out in case you're interested. But uh, it was only a few months ago where uh, Kurt and I and a few other a few other friends we went out to the desert of uh, San Luis Potosi, um, and, and we we went on this uh, expedition to find and uh, and connect with peyote. And I think these sort of trips, um, which interest me a lot now, um, and I think the interest comes from the fact that it's not. I'm not going to the the beach and, you know, it's not going to be music and, and pina coladas. This is like, this is a trip out of my own complete reality. And I think we're, instead of going out, we're going, we're going in. Uh, and we, we use these kind of, um, I guess, tour guides or, or um, you know, alternative medicine, plant medicines. And I noticed that the next in Acapulco, there's going to be the, the biggest uh, ayahuasca conference or ayahuasca event, ayahuasca pulco or something. I, I think I, I saw it called, um, which, which sounds sounds silly, but I mean it. It sticks with a brand, uh, and I think this is good because this programming that we're talking about, you know, we go through thirteen years of school or something, whatever, like you know, decades of school, and, and one experience with a, a natural plant medicine can shatter. All those years, you know, within one weekend, and then you recover, but you, you're never the same. Like you, you can't be. I can't really speak you, too much about uh, taking externals to have an internal trip. I don't know anything yeah. about that, but I do know that there are things that can just shatter your ego and your um, ideas about what life is and what purpose is. I know that uh, meditation can do it as well, and so can near-death experiences. Yeah. Um, and from what I hear, uh, plants and other chemical compounds can uh, 
help you form new ideas. Yeah. It almost seems like a shortcut because I know getting a good medica, a good meditative routine is difficult. And, but once you master it, it's like, it's like a walk in the park. Um, for people that they don't have time to, to really, it's silly because you always have time. Um, for people that are not dedicated enough to want to say, okay, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to meditate, um, two minutes a day, first thing in the morning. And then you just, it's like, how can you not do that yet? The majority of us don't. Um, if you don't do the preparation, I, I got to say this as well. If you don't do the preparation, which could be the the, the practice of meditation and the, the mindfulness, then you, uh, if you go and you take one of these plant medicines, then you are in for a, for a shock, because it's like getting launched 100 mile an hour, and you know you've never even experienced uh, you know searching the blackness of your own mind behind your eyes. Um, what are you going to do when all of a sudden you know? something on the other side says boo you know you you're you're it's like your worst nightmare oh yeah hmm. so i mean you know i'm not i'm not encouraging people if they're not ready if they think you're ready well then all well and good but you know there, there is definitely a lot of preparation and in a way it is a shortcut it's like if you go in the back door of any place you know you really don't know where you're going so i mean i don't know it's like i, I find it's like the new expedition so if you if you're sick of traveling, there's a plug. But yeah, I think about that. Like our inside, our our real self, our essence is the new frontier, isn't it? Well, I, I think this is what the ancient people or indigenous people probably had, you know, complete control over. And it's it's only now that we've taken in so much of the external that we forget there's an internal even there. <laughs> because I mean, jumping back to uh, the Aboriginal Australian people, like we get taught a bit of their culture in school, and the most um, the most concentrated part is they talk about the dream time, and, and you really and it's not until decades later I wonder, without any real connection or understanding, like what is the dream time? It's like what could dream time even be? And it just seems like. Um, it's it's the super spiritual, meditative, um, internal journeys that you can learn things and then and then share with your community. Um, and unfortunately, that that's all being stripped away. Yeah, when I hear people talk about transhumanism and looking forward to it, I'm thinking, wait, whoa, let's first do uh, let's let's try to experience humanism. Like, have we even yet had a full human experience before we go to some post-human experience, you know? Yeah, even just even just that is so uh, profound because you wonder, like, you know, what what is a human experience? If I'm human and, you know, all, all I'm worried about is getting to work on time and, you know, what, um, you know, the fridge is full and that my bills are paid, it's like that's got nothing to do with, with anything. That's, that's not even real life. It's a distraction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's my that's my Monday to Friday. It's my whole week, and on the weekend, I'm just trying to recover from what I did. Yeah. Well, is, is there a chance that this is all set up by design to keep us away from our true selves? Without answering that, I think if it wasn't designed this way, then uh, then, then we're we're a lot sicker than what we think we are. Like if this was just some chance that this all came about. And because I wonder, like, you know, we can't always put the blame on, on governments or controlling bodies, but let's say there's no one controlling anything and it just happens to go this way, then then as a species, we're, we're in big trouble. 
I've said that before, like, if things could be any way, if it's not being guided by some extra wise, but maybe not so good group of people, if it's just all accidental, well, then why can't it be accidentally awesome (laughs) instead of accidentally disempowering the way it is now? Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, this is, this is what we're changing. This is what's happening. Yeah. And we are, we are, I mean, it's happening. We're, we're moving forward and I think more people are getting connected, whichever method or whichever way people are. And we, we get divided over such stupid topics. So I'm going to bring one up because I, I know, um, like gun control and guns. I mean, this is just something to fill the television muse. And, and it just, it, it's so silly how we get caught up in these arguments of whether, whether having a gun or not having a gun is, is even a, you know, a, a question. But, um, I, occasionally, you know, the, the topic comes up and I was only talking to a few friends, um, you know, in the last week and I thought, let's, let's, let's see what they think, you know, let's check in on, on my own reality because, you know, I consider these people as, as good friends of mine. Yet when I ask them whether whether it's okay to have a gun, they've got no idea on on what uh, you know. On there's, there's no calling for principles of uh, of like a voluntarist community or, or understandings of just freedom in general. It's like how can they say um, you know guns are the the worst and no one should have them? Full stop. Without without knowing anything about it. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of does my head in I'm, I'm sick of talking to friends or, you know, people that, that are that considered close to me. And it's like, where do I start? Where do I start trying to explain, you know, new understandings when, it, when they can't even, you know, they, they look at something simple like owning a gun as being a bad thing. Yeah, yeah that's, a big, that's a big topic. Uh, and I think that to have maybe an educated opinion about it we have to look at some of the other ideas that we've inherited you know like um it seems natural for anarchists to be pro-gun because we understand that there are no such thing as rights right there's only what you negotiate the idea of rights who gave us this idea that there's rights yeah there's some there's some like there's a package of benefits that you just get who gave us that idea there's no, there's not, that's an illusion. And if we just start to see the world as, you know, there's just this playing field and then the results are whatever you negotiate, right? Like a soccer okay. team enters or a football yep. team, as you say, enters the field, there's a field, it's level, there's a goal on either end, there's lines that divide up the, the that segment the field. There's a, a team that opposes you. This could be seen as the obstacles in life. And then there's the ball, and there's your effort, and there's the network of people that you can form that that uh, support you in your goals, right? Literally in your goals. I mean, there's a there's a pun for you. There's a metaphor for you. But which team has the rights to a goal? It, the idea is doesn't even make sense. There's no yeah. goals unless you negotiate one. Yes, yeah, like how, how do they even know what they're what they're trying to achieve? Yeah, and so as we're going through life, the, I mean, think about it that way. There are no rights. There's only what you negotiate. And when you're negotiating with people in voluntary relationships, you have to come with by adding value. 
And when you're um, negotiating with gangs, even really organized gangs, that all wear the same color clothing and have insignias that they all belong to the same gang, yeah. and they all have guns, and they come to the negotiation not with words, not with pieces of paper that are promises. They come to the negotiation with guns. And a lot of times, they act to take away your right to your body, your right to your product, or your right to your free movement. So these are the three aspects of the self. Your present, your future, and your past self, right? Yeah. Your body, your movement, and your uh, product, like things that you spent labor or time on yesterday in order to acquire, right? Yeah. So how do you negotiate with these people? Because there's no rights. There's only what you negotiate. So I'll, although I am all for um, peace, and I seek to ha I seek to contribute to a society that generates peace because it's just, and it's just because it's voluntary. Right? I recognize that we don't yet live in that society. And just like every eagle has claws, and every gazelle has horns, and the ability to run away from its um, predators. Uh, and every animal on earth has some kind of a mechanism or apparatus to defend itself, right? Yeah, I think that humans Should not be the only animal that gives away its ability to defend itself to its only predators Which would be other humans? Yeah, so The idea of gun control is um, silly Yeah and, yes. and not only that, it's no longer even a debate. We can print guns at home. Yeah, it's... it's, you it's can't, how can you illegalize an idea? I mean, now, now a gun is literally an idea that you can download and then materialize in your living room. So this idea of creating laws that make it so people can't defend themselves from criminals or government... Sorry for the redundancy, they're both the same. But it's not even a debate anymore. Yeah. It's silly. It's it, it's funny. It's funny, really. Um, it's, it's like, how can a body decide to say, you know, you can't, you can't do something, you can't have something, you can't consume something. These rules that say, you know, what we, what we can and can't do. Literally, you know, putting the, the walls around you know, our own, uh, our own freedom to decide what we want to do ourselves. And then, uh, firstly expect us to, to follow that just because they're the authority or they're, they're the ones that have, have got maximum total force, but how can you respect somebody and, and then put rules on them? Like if, if the government's really, uh, if we're really evolving, and this, this comes back to this, this waking up and, and we're evolving out of the system. It's like we're, we're literally evolving past the level where it's like, you know what? The, the, the authorities are never going to know if you're, print, if you're printing guns in your, in your back shed or in, in the kitchen or wherever. Like they're, they're never going to know at that moment. It's not until um, somebody does something silly and then all of a sudden you got you know, 30 policemen around your house and they're ramming your door in and they're charging into your house. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, this person was dangerous because he had, he had guns in his house. I mean, in Australia, it's, 
I think it's a lot more controlled and uh, you know taboo than what it is probably in the in the U.S. and, and in Mexico, um, from my experience. But I mean, th- this is because in Australia, some people um, did some some acts that that were so uh, traumatic to the community that the government had to interfere and all of a sudden put plans, put rules, uh, put cages around that type of activity so it didn't happen again. But if we move to in a society where this doesn't happen, where people are all taking responsibility and and, and grabbing a, a machine gun and going out to the local shopping center and and shooting random people does not add value and you understand that, then there's never going to be something that this particular community is going to do or experience. Yeah, but- it has to be publicized more when someone who wants to dominate others and uses some uh, a machine to do it, when they are stopped by someone who does not want to let them dominate others with the same machine. In uh, in that presentation you did at the Sons of Anarchy, you, you mentioned that, you know, we're getting to this point where society uh, as a whole isn't going to put up with it anymore or where, you know, we're all acting. If we all start acting like, like anarchists, respecting people to the utmost, doing things on a voluntary basis and saying, you know, did I choose this or am I choosing something else? Then, uh, then government's slowly just going to fall away. And whether, whether this is like, uh, all of a sudden people are, are operating in a, uh, you know, counter economic, economic system, um, you know, like off the, off the grid money, or, or trading uh, so, uh, sound money, person to person, then uh, then if everyone did this one one day to another or one year to the next, which is going to take some time, then uh, even just taking away tax revenue from the government is going to really cripple what they're capable of doing, and it will just dissolve away. It's not going to be something that that's going to keep that's going to stay there. If the politicians aren't getting paid, they'll work out a new way a new way to live. I think through action personal action where we're going to decide the the level of interaction that these government bodies are going to have with our with our own communities and through different different groups uh and even just friends like neighborhood watches getting together i mean you know nothing crazy um just just friends getting together and thinking of a better way to live i think we're, we're starting to see traction towards towards that world where where we're not letting government or governing bodies or gangs or groups or whatever interfere with the way we want to live. Yeah, man. So that's like the, the, the three A's that are the progress towards a free society, right? The awakening and then the, the activism and the agorism is, uh, well, you're the first person that I heard put it that simple. And, and I think a lot of people get caught in, in sharing the information and the, the awakening part. Um, and then the activism part, but then, you know, we need, we need just to, to leave that or, you know, maybe share it with friends that, that, that need it, but to leave that and then move towards, you know what, I'm doing my own thing. Yeah. We have to, um, start to focus our energy on creating, I guess, creating a list of things that we buy every day, um, with, you know, government money and figure out how to supply, or that are supplied by government, and start to devise plans to uh, supply those things for the world 
in a voluntary way. So there's, you know, this is this is this is why um, I say that these are the three steps towards a voluntary society, or towards a revolution that's a peaceful revolution, because there's really two ways to create um, huge change in society, right? Which I guess that's what a revolution is, and one is to just start doing things in a way that's smarter and more desirable, so that people quit doing them quit doing those things the old way. Yeah, yeah. So this is that creating new paradigms that make the old ones obsolete idea, right? And the other way to have a revolution is to physically kill everyone that's enforcing the old way. So that's a violent revolution. And we vastly prefer the peaceful revolution. Our peaceful revolution, though, requires a evolution, uh, an elevation in consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, personal responsibility and the realization that we have to become spiritual value adders. We have to constantly be trying to add value, um, value contributors, uh, as a way to have interactions, to have relationships with each other. So, yeah, personal responsibility, like fixing the problems that you yourself create inadvertently. That's a huge part of our peaceful revolution. But, um, yeah, that's it. Like, you know, for us to wake up instead of saying, today I'm going to post, you know, a crafty meme. I'm going to sit and think about how can I create some new, new thing that takes power away from coercive systems. You know? And a huge one, so I'll talk about a couple of things that I've done or that I'm working on. Yeah, not to praise myself whatsoever, but to uh, illustrate uh, some ideas that people could go and do on their own, right? So I believe that it's very difficult to change the mind that has been gelled in a certain condition. Uh, It's very much more difficult to do that than it is to give um, alternative ideas to a young mind, so that it doesn't necessarily it doesn't have to become. Um, a controlled mind when it wakes up, when it um, becomes an adult, you know? Like, it's easier to help children just grow up free from the start than it is to help a man uh, that's enslaved in many ways, mentally, being one of them, uh, to wake up out of it. Yeah, just completely prevent the whole need to wake up. Yeah, like, how do they say, like an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. This yeah, might exactly. not work in a metric world, <laughs> but it's a uh, a saying that uh, I have yeah. here. You know, a little bit of yeah. prevention is worth a lot of cure. I guess yeah. is the way to say there, it there we go. universally. So I wrote this children's book called Three Friends Free," and it's a story about how people are living these these three characters who are all representatives of different cultures that have been dominated by government and by colonialism in particular. Uh, in the world. They all live together, these three characters, uh, and voluntarily trade services with each other. Um, And then they have an experience with government, and after they see through the illusions of the promises that government comes with, they're able to re-free themselves and throw the old ideas in the dirt and go back to living a voluntary uh, life again. 
so this is like the journey that we're on, right? We're right now in the middle of this stupid idea that we've allowed some people to put on us. And, you know, that's been happening for the last 6,000 years or so. And we're about to raise our consciousness level again to uh, shed off these disempowering ideas and adopt responsible, non-coercive, and empowering uh, ideas that will lead to a society that reflects it. Yes. So giving this uh, story to children will help them have alternative ideas when they start to have influences from the government, like let's do the flag salute and uh, all these all this regimentation that leads to factory yes. worker, taxpayer, warriors that they get in public schools, which should be called government schools. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that we're subjected to as we grow up that lead to the kind of yeah, in in un, like a a non-desirable society that we have right now, and so um, I thought it was important to give something to children that will help them have an alternative. Yeah, something that I'm working on right now is the Connector app. Yeah, this is this is very important because I think a lot of people do feel alone when they have or they they share these ideas. Um, or any any ideas, or just outside the the standard issue of you know what we're what we should be thinking, or, or what, what we naturally think once you go through you know these decades of of bo- uh, box cutting, all of a sudden you are square and you're unable to even to even play with ideas without feeling weird about it. I mean it's 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 really silly, um, but yeah, I think a lot of people do feel alone. And I mean, this is one of the reasons why uh, Kurt and I created the podcast, so we could talk about ideas that are not normally t- spoken about. Um, you know, and may- maybe take take a bit of flack of it because you know we don't exactly know all the answers either. But just to discuss it in a in a casual, you know, dude kind of way, and and see what happens. But you've taken it to the next level, where you're allowing, or you will allow people to find other people anonymously, um, and then you can connect up. Yeah. Yeah. So the story goes that, uh, so after the first Anarchapulco, so for any viewers who are not, um, completely familiar with anarchism, uh, being at this different, uh, idea, I won't say it's an elevated idea or a higher level of consciousness, even though it is, but I don't alienate the viewer, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, well, it could be new to them. You know what I mean? It, it might it might come home natural all the way. They just weren't aware of it. Yeah. But being uh, different, we'll just say, than society, you, it makes you feel isolated and alone. And uh, yeah. after going to an Arcapulco and being with about 300 of my brothers and sisters and being able to speak the same language and having all of your conversations naturally... Um, build on a foundation of first principles like non-aggression principle and self-ownership and personal responsibility and um, not being built with the false ideas that we've inherited throughout our uh, bringing throughout our um, growing up throughout our development right Uh, you're able to have these conversations that get deep fast and connect you almost instantly there was a sense of brotherhood and and brother and sisterhood and 
connection by being by finally being with your kind and our kind is really rare so it's really significant to go and connect with like a family reunion with your family members that you love and miss so much even though you've never met them right so I felt this really intense um, and meaningful um, sense of connection from going to the first in Arcapulco and then after so that's like an emotional high right um, after coming back to my little town that I live in most of the year uh, I just started I kind of went into like a little two week long depression of like because I spoke I also spoke at Anarchapulco about um, inherited paradigms and how to move beyond them and and about my children's book also right so there was that level of achievement that I felt as well all all of these emotional and achievement highs that I had experienced there and then after coming back to my little town I felt like man I do not want to go hang out with uh, a bunch of uh, government lovers or people that are still you know asleep here and I don't want to go spend my money in shops and cafes that are owned by government lovers and wow I feel even more alone than ever you know it's like coming down from from uh, an emotional high and you know being having this entrepreneur mindset I'm, I'm always thinking like okay there's a problem now it's time to get to work how do I help this problem how do I add value to this problem how do I solve this problem right and so I thought to myself okay if I'm having this feeling other people probably have this feeling why can't I find a pizza place on a map why can I find a gas station on a map but I cannot find my kind of people on a map this is the birth of connector yeah I thought wouldn't it be great if cool. I could make a profile on a map that's basically just a list of affinities for some people it might be meaningless affinities like they want to get together and talk about I don't know current events or they might want to get together and talk about uh, knitting blankets <laughs> or yeah. something like that right but for yeah, yeah. other people it might be getting together to connect about things that are profound and very meaningful and uh, the ability to make a profile of affinities put that profile on a map somewhere and have these affinities be searchable by other users so that if I want to I always use these examples of an anarchist mountain biker so that it's like an intellectual and a physical uh, activities that you can connect on but the connector app allows you to pick affinities and um, five different groups right doing thinking feeling believing you can really connect with people on a whole bunch of different levels oh yeah through the connector app um, mountain biking would be one that's in the doing category anarchism or voluntarism are, are uh, affinities that are in the category of thinking because they're philosophical in nature there's believing you can um, get together with people of your own or other religions or religious ideas um, uh, yeah so there's you can connect with entrepreneurs and people who are into Bitcoin and like the list goes on and on and on but the empowering part of connector is that for the first time ever you'll be able to form a social network on a map 
Facebook has been good at helping you find people that may share the same beliefs that you do because you'll have a lot of friends in common. This is how we form uh, anarchist networks on Facebook. If you see someone that happens to have 300 friends in common with you, they probably have interests in common with you, right? Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah. it's terrible at making uh, actual networks because you don't, you don't have the opportunity to meet these people who live in Mongolia which is where they always happen to be uh, on the other side of the world. Our Facebook friends happen to be on the other side of the world. So this is a, this is why that meme is floating around. It's so um, precise. How I feel as an anarchist on the internet, it's everybody like holding hands yeah, and, and yeah, they're all like brothers, right? How I feel yeah. in the real world as an anarchist, it's some dude standing by himself on a road like in Montana with just a blizzard in behind him and he's, it's very alone and there's a lot of solitude, right? But. So Connector is the opposite of Facebook in that way that you see the people who share your affinities and your ideas, your ideals, and your values, who live on the same street as you do, or who live in the same town as you do, or who live along a route uh, of a road trip that you might be taking. So that I travel a lot and I'm very interested in meeting and forming real life connections with other anarchists and other freedom lovers. Of course. Um, al along a route of a road trip. Connector allows you to do that. So, so last time we, we spoke about it, I think you're still testing it or there was a, there was a beta phase or, or something. Where, where, where are you up to now with it? Yeah. So there have been a few beta testers that have went through the, the whole thing, uh, actually in my presence. So I was able to observe their complete experience in an objective way, uh, and take a whole bunch of notes. But this next phase is where we send out the email invites to uh, people who have uh, made an entry on connector.ninja that they want to try out connector uh, and be a beta tester and return um, uh, insights to us about their experience with us so that we can fine tune it. But it's almost ready to be put up in, uh, in the iTunes store for uh, people with Apple devices. Yeah, so uh, the next phase after that will be to have uh, to to grow the team, bring in people who can uh, port it over to Android devices and also a web interface. Um, so those are the next steps. So I want to just I want to tell you like the exciting thing about Connector is that not just that you can meet friends on it, right? That's very it's revolutionary in a way. It will also allow you to have a business profile so that people can find you and your services on a map. It'll have a, a, it'll allow you to make a dating profile so that you can find the exact match for a mate on a map near you. Uh, and it will allow you to make an events profile so that any uh, speakers that are coming to your town, any uh, events, concerts, um, networking events that are coming to your town, will notify you two weeks in advance or whatever the interval is that you set up, but it'll be a notification that comes to you in advance so that you no longer are missing these things. I don't know about you, Aaron, but I hear about concerts that I really want to attend two weeks after they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see the sign and you see the date and then you check the calendar. You're like, what oh, shit? June was last month. Crap. Okay. Yeah. And, it, and it's just like, yeah, I, I missed out. Okay. No worries. Next. Yeah, totally. So all the time. Yeah, so it will allow those things as well. 
Uh, and that will also do something really important is that it will it will allow this new kind of advertising that helps you find things you want, never shows you advertising that you don't want to see. So what this is why this is important is that you know you have you noticed that advertising is normally things you don't want to know about and therefore they're an interruption. Yep. Always. You know, when I'm listening to uh well, I'll just, I won't use the brand name, but I'll just say internet-based radio. Uh, I might be listening to meditation music, but then I'll hear some obnoxious, loud, and abrupt commercial come in the middle. And I'm like, guys, you don't understand that you're killing your connection with your audience here. Uh, Connector, yeah. what it will do is only show you advertising uh, on the map itself about affinities that you've told Connector you are interested in. If you tell Connector that you want to meet other people that are uh, into mountain biking or into uh, snowboarding or whatever, right? Connector will only show you information about people who support those activities. So your mountain bike store will show up on the map, the local mountain bike store, but Walmart will not. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. What's cool about this is that uh, we are allowed to sell uh, interested eyeballs to the advertisers. So it's targeted marketing. Like, what would you pay if you could show a commercial to people who want to see the commercial? They will, that you will have their attention because every mountain biker is going to say, what? Yeah, I want to hear about mountain bike uh, tires that are half price. You know, but everyone else is going to be annoyed by it. So this is like giving people the information that they want, never giving them information that they have elected that they don't want. Uh, so it's good for the uh, it's good for the connector user. It's good for the advertisers who want to support the users. Um, and yeah. it takes it takes away all that other advertising that's really bullshit. Yeah. So it's giving people more power, more power to take responsibility of their own their own surroundings because you know that that one guy is about to get hit by the blizzard all of a sudden if he was able to put his his signal out that yeah there's things happening here that interest me he'll find other people just pop up out of the woodwork just because just because they're aware of it they're not going to turn up a month late yeah no that, that's that's really cool I, i'm really looking forward to it to it coming out because now that uh now that i'm back home it's like I don't know anybody anymore. Yeah. Or, or, or you know, I know them, but it's uh, it's interesting because now I'm so different, and I'm thinking, you know, you know, like, uh, you know, I think I heard you mention the word statist. Didn't even know what it was. I didn't even think that was a word. And then I think, wow, there's a lot of people here that love the government, and and it's kind of a bit bit petty because they're it's kind of, it puts them in a in a situation where they need to be taken care of. When you go when you go and you say I want to find people that you know that that want to venture out and start taking responsibility for themselves, uh, you know that's a whole different type of person, and and you know you're surprised. I was surprised that there's not very many in my friends groups uh, locally. I jump online and there's whole whole communities, but um, if I was to call up friends and then asking a few questions, just a check, asking a few questions, just checking, you know where where do you where do you sit? It's like wow, I really, I really can't hang out with these people anymore, and uh, and that that's a bit disappointing because I think a, a lot of people that pretty went to last in Acapulco because it was quite big, it's like five hundred or so. Yeah, um, they they're, they're pretty gone home and they're hanging 
exactly the same as you and I, you know, you hit that depression, like, well, now, now what do I do? I, I got no one to talk about craziness with. Um, and no, no one shares my, my, uh, hunger for, for new ideas. So it's kind of fun. And then, so one of the things that's actually, um, super important about connector is not just that you can find friends to hang out with. I mean, that's important to us on a personal level, but what's important for our movement about connector is that it allows you to find the people that you can form agorist networks with. So in order for us to do this revolution peacefully, we have to find the people who can supply the aspects of life either material goods like groceries or clothing or whatever or services that are currently being provided in a taxed and um, um, and, and, and a government controlled economy that's full of coercion we have to be able to actually find the people who are willing to provide to us material and services uh, you know goods and services in a in a voluntary-based economy. This has to happen. It's an essential component of um, our evolution if it's to be peaceful. So yeah. it's not a game. Yeah. This part of it is not a game. This is not some sort of luxury. This part of Connector App is an essential part of our revolution if it is to be peaceful. In this way, this, this is heavy, but in this way, this functionality is part of what's going to save the world. I think it's only still, I mean, it's still coming in. Like it's still dropping on me how intense this, this app could play uh, as a major change factor. Because I think about all the people that have little home businesses or, or they they, they want to, but how can you compete when you got Walmart, you know, within a few kilometers from your home on the main road right there where everyone's passing all the time. And here you are at home with your, you, you might have cabbages. You might have your whole backyards full of cabbages, but you can never sell them because people got no idea that you're one block off the main road and around the corner. Um, if people knew, they would probably support somebody person to person, build a rapport with them, know that this is going this is going into their direct personal experience of the world. Uh, you're investing in them, and you're not going to some faceless, you know, cold corporation. That's just there siphoning all the all the value away from the community. Yeah. So th this is yeah, this is huge. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, if there was, if I knew for for sure that there was a a Bitcoin accepting cafe, that's where I would go get my espressos in the morning. And then if I found out that there was a Bitcoin based cafe that no longer accepted Federal Reserve notes. That's definitely where I would get my espressos in the morning. Oh, yeah. This is the beginning yeah. of agorism where we, as an economy, and an economy is just two groups or two individuals trading. That's what economy is, right? And so when we, as an economy, turn our backs on uh, a course of hierarchy, this is the beginning of the new era for humanity. Have you come across the term, uh, this new age of abundance? 
as a, as a few spiritual websites that, that put out this, this idea that we're moving into this the age of abundance, it's very hard to see or understand or believe when you, when you look so immediate in, in time. You look at where we're, where we're at at the moment. But when people are connecting on, on, these, on these principles of, you know, I'm going to use uh, money that's, uh, that's not being, you know, taxed to fund... I mean, it's easy to say, but to fund wars and things, which it is, is what's going on. You know, you really don't know when, when your tax money goes, you know, you wave it goodbye and it gets used for whatever. Uh, good, bad, doesn't matter. Your point of view your doesn't matter. Your principles here don't matter, but, you know, you're helping that system live. Yeah. If you can break away from that and and buy your expressos from a Bitcoin only or, or a non, uh, non-government money Federal Reserve note, then you know you, you're you're really voting with your dollar and choosing to get away from the, this endless uh, endless pain system that that we've been that we've been sold or bought into. I mean, I don't know which way it goes, um, but we need to start deciding to do that. Yeah, man. and 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 this is yeah. I mean, once you once it clicks with you, like I I get it. I can actually choose not to be part of this anymore. Yeah. Then we need we need the other person to come and shake your hand as well, and uh, and unfortunately I got no idea where that person is. Yep, just yet. Now, yeah, I don't know if you have a an Apple device or a Android device. Um, well, I've I've got both. Okay, I I, I use both. Well, you will be able to uh, start to see people showing up on a map very soon, Aaron, and then you will be able to get cabbages from that guy, or in your area <laughs> it might be mangoes or something. Uh. Uh, who lives two two houses over from you, and you might not have ever known about it. Yeah, and you can um, completely withdraw participation and consent from the current system and start to form the new one. Yeah, you'll be one of the leaders of it. Sounds good. I like the I like the fact that I can travel uh, and instantly instantly find the same crowd of people, just different names, different faces, but you know, they they're, they're our people. Yeah, man. And, it, and there's a lot more than, than what you think because I, I'm only meeting people that think the way we think um, now. It's like, it's like, if, if, not, if not, I don't, I don't know, know from your experience, your experience but, but I feel like, I feel like uh, everywhere, everywhere I go, I go there's someone, someone that's willing, willing to talk about, about you know, things, things that we talk about and have and a have good head about it. it. It's, it's not. It's, not, um, it's um, mainly people that I expect to have a good head about it and all of a sudden they let me down by not understanding what I'm saying. And it's not because they don't uh, have, have the capacity, capacity to understand. They, they just haven't, haven't done their homework right, within, within their own mind, mind and you know, you know worked, worked out, out where, where, do I, where, do I, where do I where do I fit, fit with, with these with these, with these principles, principles or ideas or, or the, situation. the situation. Yeah. So ha- have you heard this concept that when there is uh, it's like the power of a wave is amplified by the square of the height of the wave when there's more than one source sending out the same wave. So where two wave, um, where the height of two waves, so the apex part of uh, two waves meets, the power there is amplified by the square. So if- Yeah, it, there hasn't been much application for that. I mean, not, not in these times, but um, so, so essentially sound could be faster than light if they- Well, I don't know about Frequency, its effect on frequency, but I do know its effect on amplitude. So if there's yeah. one speaker 
with a certain amount of power could could have the let's say a, a power um, of one, right? The the then two speakers together would actually have the power of four of of just the one if they're playing yeah, the yeah. same signal. Okay. And if there were three speakers, then the power would be nine. So it's the square of the height of the wave of one when they all uh, are playing the same signal at the same time, right? Sure. I think in yeah. this way, when we meet each other and start to form our own um, networks, we will influence those people around us more and more. I, as an individual, can send out my signal either verbally or in other ways of influence, um, at, just as, a, as with the power of the individual, right? But when you and I together form this podcast, it gets seen by an exponential amount of, num of people. And then if there were a network of people all working together of eight people or of 16 people or on and on, the yeah. uh, effect of the influence grows exponentially. I think that part of the domino effect will be greatly increased, uh, it, uh, affected and influenced by the connector app and people's ability to combine their uh, efforts and their influence and their signals, ultimately of their love, of this, uh, you know, wanting to contribute, wanting to love each other. It's really what it boils down to. Uh, there is an, uh, a, 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 an era of abundance coming because everything that we need in the world doesn't, isn't right now hampered by a supply problem. It's hampered by a distribution problem. There are things in between us and the things that we need in the world. Those things are usually uh, supported by an unjustified hierarchy. There are people like within 50 feet of me growing corn and tomatoes and eggs and all sorts of food. There's all sorts of food around me within um, maybe 50 meters of me, right? Yeah. Uh, but do I know about them? You know, maybe not. Um, yeah, so this is, this is super important. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna take 100 years for this, for this whole world to change. I think if, if everyone got, I mean, it, it could happen. It could happen within uh, five to 10 years. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, in my world, that's definitely possible because of the, the circles that I'm mixing with now. Um, and then with the domino effect, yeah, it's it's not, it's going to catch people by surprise and they, they're going to be, they're going to think, you know, what, what what happened to all the problems? They, they're not here anymore. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's that's very promising because you put the news on and you're seeing something else. Got to turn that box off. Truly, yeah. It's uh, tell a vision programming. I mean, they tell us they tell us right to our face what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. But uh, I, what I'm seeing online and in my uh, with my personal lo local people that I know is that there's a spiritual awareness growing that's providing a lot of the new passion in anarchism right now. I see just as much anti-government stuff. I mean, I see that there's a certain amount of that, but there's there's a, also a lot of these um, ideas coming out that are pro-human. 
and pro-spiritual, pro-experience, pro-connection that are just as um, prevalent as anti-ideas, like anti-government or anti-war. You see what I'm yeah. saying? It's like more of a um, transfer of people's energy and awareness is going towards love and away from fear. And uh, I think this is going to be a lot of the fuel for an even ramped up uh, uh, effect of, of growth uh, within the freedom movement. Yeah, it's definitely easier to say, uh, you know, I'm I'm pro uh, I'm pro peace than I am anti-war. Right. As I, you know, the, those anti-war people are always a little bit angrier than than the people that are you know, getting together to have a tea or a barbecue. Uh, to just to celebrate life, it's just it's it's got a much better vibe, and yeah, it's it's definitely the, the way. And, and I know you know I'm pretty a culprit for talking uh, you know anti-war or anti-government and establishment stuff, but it's only because they're the words people people are uh, are used to or are aware of. Right. I mean, you know, you, you can start being a little bit creative and try and explain it in, in a different way, but sooner or then you can go the other way as well and say you know I'm I'm all peace and love, and then people. Sometimes people don't understand that either. So, you know, it's all about... It is good to be descriptive. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So when, oh, you coming, cool. when are you coming back to uh, Mexico or to the this part of the world? Um, I'll, be, I'll be there in February. Thanks for tuning in to another amazing episode of the Paradise Paradox. Um, I hope you got something out of it. I hope you learned something. If not, you can always rewind it and watch it again as many times as you like. Or listen to it again. We are on iTunes, Pocket Casts. We're also on SoundCloud. Um, or you can share it. Share it with your friends. You know, share a little knowledge. Um, that's that's also very cool. Um, if you're interested in show notes, jump on the website, www.paradiseparadox.com forward slash 127. Episode 127 forward slash 127. Um, if you liked what you heard, if you liked what you've seen, Feel free to donate to the Paradise Paradox. There's also a tab at the top of the website where you can donate. We accept all kinds of value transfer. Okay, so don't hold back. Um, that's about it. So reach out to an old friend um, because the Connect app's not here yet. It's on its way. Um, if you want to be involved, check out the show notes below and jump on to the Connect app website. And, uh, and get involved. So um, that's going to be very cool. And we'll keep you guys updated with the developments. Um, that's what it's all about. Just adding value. Hugging people. Being free. And um, being yourself. So until next time. Peace. Time for breakfast. All right.